Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. I had thought that I didn't need him, was better than him, knew more, was smarter. But now, as I gazed at his face, soft and fallen, I could see everything I was, everything I could one day become, was only possible because I was standing on his shoulders. Susie Lau, Paper Names. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm joined by Bookshelf Floor Manager Olivia Schaefer to give you a rundown of our favorite new books releasing in May. Do you love our literary therapy episodes? This May, we're doing it live. I really couldn't resist the Bill O'Reilly reference, but other people might not get it, and that's fine. I'll be doing 15-minute literary therapy sessions on Tuesday, May 16th via Zoom. We can chat about reading ruts, book club dilemmas, and what titles to add to your TBR. To book an appointment, you'll need to purchase a ticket from the Bookshelf website at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. There's also a link in our show notes. Tickets are $30 and $5 will go toward your future bookshelf purchase. This would make a great Mother's Day present or be a fun way to treat yourself this spring. Spots may go quickly, so book or gift your appointment today. I cannot wait to be your very own Fraser Crane live and kind of sort of in person over Zoom. Hi, Olivia. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. Today, we are talking about May new releases. Listeners, keep in mind that our online sales manager, Erin, has made browsing our podcast book selections super easy. Just go to bookshelfthomasville.com and you can type today's episode number, that's 423, into our search bar and you'll see all of today's books listed ready for you to purchase. You can also use the code NEWRELEASEPLEASE at checkout, which will get you 10% off your order of any of today's titles. May is a big month. It's a big month. It's going to be a good month. I think so too. April was a big one as well, as I'm reminded every week when I go downstairs and see the stack of new releases. April did not feel like just the first Tuesday of the month. It felt like every Tuesday had a big release. I mean, this past Tuesday, I had to help Aaron carry up books yesterday and today for shipping, which thank you, everybody. But I couldn't (laughs) believe that like, we had so many pre-orders for April 18th, the right, middle of such the a month. Weird, yeah, that's <laughs> such a weird date because normally it's that first Tuesday and you'll hear mm-hmm. it at least in some of my selections today. Like that is a big release day is the first Tuesday of the month. But we had big titles that came out. We're recording this early. Uh, we had big <laughs> titles that came out this week. And so I don't know. I, I can't. I know fall is always the big like that's the publisher, big publisher season. But yeah. spring also feels, and as we eke into summer, it just feels like maybe spring and summer are the more commercially titles. I don't know. But it feels like there's a lot out every April and May. Yeah. I feel like a lot of, for me, the most fun books to read come out through like May because that's mm-hmm. when you're like picking up your summer grabs, to, like yeah. take with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we each picked five books. So if this is your first time listening to these episodes, these are 
kind of our picks for books that we want to highlight and feature that are coming out this month. We'll alternate selections. We'll tell you the release dates. Kind of just gives you a preview of what is coming up. If you like previews of things, we're also doing our summer literary first look later this month. And so you can find tickets for that on the website as well. So if you like getting previews of upcoming titles, that would be a great event to attend. And it's virtual. There's an in-person version too, actually, now that we're <laughs> now that we're living in that post-pandemic world. Uh, there's it's virtual. Most most listeners can listen virtually or can watch virtually. But if you're local, we do an in-person version too. So Okay. I like my, seeing that hit your face. Yeah. We had been doing only in person when I first worked here. Yeah. It's been a real like pendulum swing, <laughs> like only in person, which were great and super fun. Then yeah. only, well, then briefly, if you'll Ooh, recall. Those were <laughs> scary days. <laughs> the days where we did in person and virtual on the same day and they were like Facebook lives. Do you yeah. know? Do you know? I had built- like a laptop set up precariously on a tall chair with boxes. Yeah, and I had like to make a, sure that the link kept working. <laughs> yeah, that was so stressful. Do you do you know the Bill O'Reilly reference that I referenced at the top? Of I the didn't. Episode? I am so sorry. I did not. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry to distract you from your work today. But when we hang up from this episode, you have to Google Bill O'Reilly going live. It was something I had never seen before until our manager. The manager before you, Magalie, she, one day, we were talking about doing something live, and she yelled, and she was so, like, petite and fairy-like. That's the only way I know how to describe her. She was very ethereal. She just kind of yelled. She was like, we're doing it live. And I was like, what What are you doing? And she goes, you guys haven't seen that? And then she showed us, and it's this clip of Bill O'Reilly absolutely losing it because he, like, had done pre-recorded stuff. And then he was supposed to like pre-record this segment, I guess, of his show. It's from years ago. Like he's got a full head of hair and he yells at his like production team. I guess we're doing it live. And then he (laughs) he just loses it. But every time we do a live event, that's what I think. And I think of, yeah, you balancing a laptop on top of boxes while I just (laughs) pretended like tried to talk about books and pretend like everything was fine. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. Anyway, now we do virtual and in-person. So you can come to our in-person literary lunch or you can watch our literary first look. So that being said, my first book of May is a release on May 2nd. It was released this week and it is called Super Bloom by Megan Taddy. This is one of the books being published by that Zibby Books imprint, which I've mentioned a couple of times because they've been quite good, to be frank. They've been quite good about sending us ARCs And it's this kind of new publishing arm. And a lot of their books feature strong female protagonists, female characters. I read a book under the Zibby Books imprint earlier this year called Women Are the Fiercest Creatures. It was a great, like, plain book. I could, (laughs) no pun intended, I could fly through it. Um, It was fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Super Bloom is similar in that it's a book that I think you will easily, I love that it's releasing at this date because it's a book that you could easily like fit in your beach bag. But I think this is crucial. It's like a feel-good story that is not entirely a rom-com. I think sometimes when we talk about feel-good books, we often talk about romances. And as I recall, I read this a while ago, there is kind of a romantic-ish element maybe. There is a love interest, but that's not really what the book is about. The book is about a massage therapist named Joan. She works at this high-end spa in Vermont, this quaint little touristy town in Vermont. 
And she really does not like her work. She struggles with her work. She really wants to be a writer. And one of her massage clients is a woman named Carmen, who's a romance novelist. And Carmen's next book is going to be set at a spa. And so Carmen kind of accosts, Carmen's kind of this more aggressive character. Carmen aggresses, jo- uh, <laughs> aggresses, I'm sorry. She accosts. <laughs> I mean, it is aggressive. She kind of accosts Joan after her massage. And she's like, hey, can you be a spy for me? Can you kind of give me all the intel about what it's like to work at a spa like this, to be a massage therapist? Can you download all of your information to me so that I can put it in my romance novel? And Joan needs the money and agrees. None of this is spoilers. This all just happens in the first chapter or two. And Joan agrees to help Carmen. And then as Joan's helping Carmen, she realizes maybe she should just write a book herself. And so there is some intrigue. Really, the relationship with with Joan and Carmen is the relationship really at the center of the book. Kind of this woman who seemingly has it all and who has the career that Joan wants. And then Joan feels like she's kind of in this no-end no way out job and how can she get out? But then maybe through writing and through creativity and through relationships, she realizes maybe there's more to this job and more she can do than she thinks. It's a great kind of feel good story. I love the setting. The Vermont setting is really fun. So if you like a book where you feel like you're traveling, I think this would be fun. Uh, It's a paperback original, which I also think is great for beach bags. So it is Super Bloom by Megan Taddy and it comes out on May 2nd. Okay, my book also came out May 2nd, but this is my only one that came out this past Tuesday. Interesting. I know. A lot of mine okay. actually come out at the very end of May. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that's because while reading for this, I was mostly reading for shelf subscription or what, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, a lot of mine come out at the end of the month, but I'm super excited about this book. The publisher sent me um, a finished copy ahead of time. I was Oh, yay. So happy. This is The Ferryman by Justin Cronin. The Ferryman or The Ferryman? I'm still still playing that. I don't know. Ferryman sounds best, don't you think? Yes. I I just think it flows better. Yeah. And he is a man who works on a ferry. Right. So he's not a, right. He's not like Peter Pan. He's not a fairy man. You know what I mean? Was Peter Pan? Not, I don't know. Not F A I R Y. Correct. E R R Y. That's right. In case you guys couldn't hear that difference, we, we he's know, not we a fairy man. He's a fairyman. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so <laughs> this is a book about a man named Proctor Bennett, and Proctor lives uh, at this place called Prosperous, and it's on Earth. But this is after Earth. This is dystopian. Mm-hmm. Um, and if none of you have read Justin Cronin before, please go back and read the passage trilogy. It will take you a long time. They're very long books, but you will not regret it if you're if you like dystopian. Because like what Donna Tart is to like dark academia, Justin mm-hmm. Cronin is to dystopian. Okay, that's high praise. So extremely high praise. <laughs> but this is in Prosperous, and it's on Earth, but it's a section that has been kind of like quarantined on their own. Like they're in their own little bubble because Earth has gone past its climate change crisis and it's at the point of no return. And so these people have just kind of made their own place where they can thrive. But Prosperous does, um, it's called like iterations of people. So you live your life. And then when you get to old age, um, when you get to a point where your health isn't good anymore, you 
go into what's called retirement and you get on this ferry, you go to this little island, the nursery, where basically like your personality gets reconstructed into a younger body and you come back as a 16 year old and live again. And so these people just keep going through these iterations of themselves in different bodies and whatnot. And Proctor is the ferryman, Mm -hmm. ferryman. (laughs) So (laughs) he helps people when they decide to retire. He guides them gently. He takes them to the ferry and he like sets them on their way, um, but in the most peaceful way possible so that they feel comforted in this process that could be kind of scary. Mm. So Proctor is already going through like a slump in his life. Everyone has this thing on their arm that gives them their like percentage of like health and happiness and his is slowly lowering. And his wife, Elise, is like, so caught up in her business and everything that she just doesn't have like the emotional capacity to like help Proctor figure out what's going on that's wrong. And so Proctor one day gets a letter in the mail of like his next person who's going into retirement and it's his father and him and his father are kind of estranged at the time. And so he goes to like his father's house to help him through this process. Like he has to sit there and be like, what do you want to give away? Like, what is the government? Like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But as he takes his father to the ferry, his father just loses it. And it's like he's lost his mind and he keeps shouting this word. And Proctor has no idea what this means. And his father used to work for the government of Prosperous. Mm -hmm. And so after he gets him on the ferry, which is this whole extremely traumatic event proctor just kind of walks away from this like what just happened like mm-hmm. he just watched his dad have a meltdown and then had to send him off on his way mm-hmm. and the the head of the government comes over to proctor's like hey what did your father say and so he mm-hmm. instantly knows that like okay what his father said is something he should not have heard mm-hmm. and from there the story just like evolves and and just changes and it's like you think this is like classic dystopian where like the rich live on this island and the poor live on this little island called the Annex and it's all about mm-hmm. that. And then like the rug gets pulled out from under you and nothing is what you thought it was. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's so much bigger than you think it is. It was so well done. So well done. So when you said he takes people across the river, it reminded me of, of like, isn't it in Greek myth or something? Is yeah. it Greek myth where like somebody takes across the river sticks? Is that right? Yes. Is it, yeah. yeah. A lot of this, some, well, some of it is tied into like Greek mythology and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. I, I just thought, oh, that sounds really intriguing. Like it, different than I thought it would be. I'm, I'm kind of curious about it now. It was so good. I gave okay. Esme a play-by-play the other day. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I need to get, sign up for that. We should have uh, like a sign up sheet where we can all be like, well, we are going to take 10 minutes and sign up to listen to Olivia. <laughs> okay. Well, my next book is not dystopian at all. It's called Love Buzz. <laughs> Love Buzz is by Neely Tubati Alexander. It came out this week. It is another paperback original, which I think we're seeing more and more out of publishers. I have not read a ton of romantic comedies this year or romance novels this year. I've really tried to limit myself in hopes that the ones that I do read, I'll really love. 
And this one I really did enjoy. I really loved it. And so this is kind of this serendipity inspired. If you watched the great uh, John Cusack, uh, Kate Beckinsale movie, Serendipity, that is very much what this reminds me of. The book opens with a quote from that movie. And that's when I kind of was like, okay, it, it really sets the tone of what this book is about. The main character, Serena Khan, she is on vacation on a bachelorette party in New Orleans. She is not having a great time which I think you've kind of fall into one of two camps, right? You either are the type of person who loves a bachelorette and you're so excited to be there, or you're the person who's like, hope this ends quickly. And Serena hopes it ends quickly. And so she is at a New Orleans bar. There's a great kind of New Orleans setting in the, in the front part of this book, first part of this book. And Serena meets Julian and they really hit it off and they kind of flirt in this bar and they have a great time. But of course, Serena's at a bachelorette. The bride like calls her, distracts her, something happens and Serena and Julian part ways. And the only thing she knows about Julian is that he is also like her from Seattle. And that's all she knows. And so she gets on a plane and she flies back home to Seattle and she can't get Julian out of her mind. And she kind of embarks on a journey to find Julian. And the results are humorous. They're kind of over-the-top ridiculous, as is often the case in a rom-com or a romance. One of my favorite parts about this book are the side characters. That's, to me, how I tell if I like a romantic comedy or not, is who are the side characters? Are they well fleshed out? Are they interesting, intriguing characters? And her friends really are. And she also develops a really fun relationship with an older woman who she meets on the plane. And so anyway, I really fell in love with all of the side characters. Serena and Julian have great chemistry. And so if you are looking for a romantic comedy to try this summer, and as much as I'm looking forward to the Emily Henry book, I feel like we already all have Emily Henry pre-ordered. And so if you were looking maybe for a romance or a rom-com that you didn't know much about or that you weren't maybe first aware of, I'd really recommend this. It's called Love Buzz. It's by Neely Tubati Alexander, and it came out this week. Coming out next Tuesday is a middle grade novel that I loved so much. This is absolutely positively natty, and it's by Lisa Greenwald. And I do have to preface this. I listened to this audiobook but it was like an advanced listener copy and it was an AI robot reading it. And it was the inflections. Did they tell so you wrong? Yes. And they okay. did. And they were like, this is not the finished audiobook okay. version. This is just the ALC version of it. But Natty is super positive as we gathered from the title. And so she goes like, Oh yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the AI robot pronounces the H's. So oh. it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> you know what? We think we've come a long way. And, and honestly, maybe this is for the best. This actually gives me yeah. hope because the AI stuff has been really disturbing to it's me. It's not going to work. <laughs> and the fact that this robot can't even get inflections right gives me hope for the world, honestly. Yeah. She goes, hi, Natty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I think voice actors everywhere are just filled with relief. Like their so jobs happy. are safe. <laughs> Julia Let Whalen me tell is like, you, you guys, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Anyone can do better than this AI robot did for this book. And yet I still loved this book wholeheartedly. The mark of a true book that you could enjoy <laughs> yeah. it despite the AI narration. 
Yes. And I think multiple reasons. Natty is one of the most lovable characters I have come across in a middle grade novel. And mostly because I feel like we see so many kids in middle grade novels go through such traumatic events and come out at the end of it, just like kind of seeing the negative in the world and not able to see the positive. And then by the end, they can start to see the positive and it's great and everything. Natty is the opposite. Natty's parents are in the middle of a divorce. She and her dad have just moved in with her grandparents in his hometown. She's started a new school. There's like friend drama at home. And Natty is standing in the middle of all this, just like, it's fine. Like, (laughs) I love my family. I love my bedroom. I love my grandma. I love my new school. Like, it's fine. (laughs) And everyone's looking at her like, but is it? (laughs) (laughs) but natty is always just like but positivity is gonna be the her way through everything and we Mm -hmm. just we needed this character so badly and then of course it does end up being a little bit of toxic positivity like when her friends are going through stuff she's just like we'll just be positive and she's not acknowledging how they're feeling which does like come to a big uh confrontation at the end but like it comes back around to like but we still need positivity in our lives. Yeah. And she like joins this new school and starts a pep squad. (laughs) Of course. Because she like winds up at one of their like baseball games uh, accidentally, just like out for a walk, like her Mm -hmm. first day in town. She's (laughs) like, I'm going to go for a walk. And she does. And she starts cheering on her new school. She knows no one. Oh, and she's like, she gets like all the parents to cheer along too. And she was just like, this is what I'm here for. Mm. And so then she gets this group of like, um, they never say the word emo, but it is very clear that these are the emo (laughs) kids of the school and they have like vandalized the gym. So they're like, punishment is to like clean it up. And she was like, well, you guys should just join my pep squad instead. So she gets this group of emo kids to like learn dances and cheer at all of these games. Oh my gosh. It is how delightful. So great. <laughs> I love every second of this AI robot reading me this book. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so fun. Okay. That's great. What was it called again? Absolutely Positively Natty. Great. Perfect title, too. <laughs> I love it. Okay. My next book is Paper Names. This is by Susie Lau. This came out this week. This is a book that I have already talked about on the podcast a couple of times, I think. I read this book a couple of months ago and I just loved it. It did happen to be one of the books that I was reading where every book I read during that season had three narrators. <laughs> so so this coming. is one of the <laughs> one of those books with three different narrators. However, I really love how Susie Lau uh, handled this. She is a debut novelist. In fact, I'm pretty sure She's one of a couple writers that I read this year who works maybe in the legal or finance world. And this is just something she kind of wrote on the side, like after work, which I'm always in complete awe of. So our main character is Tony. He's a Chinese immigrant. He's come to America for a better life for his family. He moves to New York with his wife and his daughter, Tammy. His daughter, Tammy, is the other narrator in the book. And then the third voice that kind of rounds the whole thing out is their white neighbor, not even neighbor. He's, he lives in the building where Tony gets a job as a doorman. So Tony is a doorman. And then in his previous life, he was an engineer. And so Tony is filled with a lot of pride in his work, even though it's not at all what he was doing in China. And Tammy and her mom 
you know, are a little bit maybe confused by the path, the career path Tony's having to take because he's an immigrant in America. Really what I want you to know is that the book opens with this inciting incident. So in that way, it reminded me a lot of the book Such a Fun Age, where within the first, mm, I don't know, 20 to 30 pages, Tony is working as a doorman in New York and something happens and you as the reader think, oh no, what's going to happen to Tony? But interestingly, Susie Lau kind of turns this incident on its head, and instead, it is the turning point for Tony and his family, specifically his daughter Tammy, and their life in America. And the book goes back and forth in time. So it's got three narrators, and it also goes back and forth in time. I think the book ultimately spans about 30 years. You get to see Tammy as a young girl, and then you also see her grow up. It reminds me a lot yes, of such a fun age, but also of the book Signal Fires by Danny Shapiro that came out last year, where there's this incident and you kind of see how it affects everybody. I think the other book I maybe compared it to was the Celeste Ing book called Little Fires Everywhere. If you like Jenna Bush Hager's book club picks, I don't know. I have no idea if this is going to be a book club selection by Jenna Bush Hager. I'm just putting that out there. But it reads like a book she might really enjoy. So if you like Jenna Bush Hager's book selections. I think you would love this book. It was incredibly well-written. The other thing that I kind of can't get over is it spans three decades and it's narrated by three different voices, but I was never confused and was never confused by the plot or where I was in the book. And also it's told in, I think, fewer than 200 pages. Like it's just a short, really concise, well-told story. And the role that kind of Oliver plays in this family story is really interesting. I thought it was fascinating. I think it'd make a great book club book. There's a lot to talk about when you finish. And I really liked it. It's called Paper Names by Susie Lau, and it came out this week. Okay. In a very different fashion from both that novel and my novel before this, is Sing Her <laughs> Down by Ivy Pachoda. I should have looked up that last name and how to pronounce it before I came on here. I normally do. I forgot. But I think that's right. This is out May 23rd. And it's so good. Think like Thelma and Louise, but no one is good and no one is innocent. This is like feminine rage at its worst. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, Old. And and that's why that's why I got into this novel too because I was just like I feel like you always see women who are like reacting to a situation that like was put on them and Mm -hmm. so you're just like yes you are justified in every Mm -hmm. action that you are doing. And then you meet these two women and you're like, no, wait a second. Every decision you made is poor. <laughs> yes. yes, they're not the heroes. Yes, absolutely not. But this is a story. It's it's told like a classic like Western tale. So it okay. starts with this is two women who are in prison. And it starts with one of their cellmates describing the end of this book. Because okay. their fallout ends at a gas station. And it was like immortalized by this mural on the gas station because it was like this epic shootout. Okay. So like you learn this and then you jump into their point of view. Okay. You're just like, I'm in it. I'm in it already. Yeah. Um, But this is about Dios in Florida. And Dios is really frustrated with Florida because she was imprisoned for being accomplice to murder. But Florida Mm -hmm. is this white woman who walks around acting like she is wrongly in prison. Uh. And it angers Dios to no end. And so 
when they both get out of prison due to like, it was something involving the pandemic. I wasn't quite sure the legalities of it, (laughs) but they were both able to leave. (laughs) And um, Dios like follows Florida and just like instigate her to like bring out what Dios thinks is the real side of Florida, which is this murderous rage. Okay. And it starts this like tale of like them just doing all the worst things in all the worst ways. (laughs) Okay. It was so good. It was so good. I love that setup. I love the storytelling setup. Like that completely makes sense to me that you would leave prison and be like, how can I get this woman to do what I know she's capable of doing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because in prison, they had an incident that like, I I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. Sorry if it is. But like (laughs) together, they ended up killing this one woman. Okay. And that was like the end of them being cellmates. Florida then okay. requested not to be Dios' cellmate because Florida just pretended that Dios was the one who ended up killing her. I and see. she had nothing to do with it. And Dios is like, that's not true. Okay. <laughs> but then in between these like point of views between, uh, you get mostly Florida's point of view is their cellmate and her piecing together these stories that she's hearing while still in jail after these two have been let out and have gone on this journey. How it creative. It was so good. It was so good. Do you have the ARC or did you electronically read it? No, I have the ARC somewhere. I'll find it. Find it because I I think I would like to read that. Yeah, it was great. It sounds good. And original. I think you're yeah. always, you always, especially because of your shelf subscriptions and stuff, you're always looking for like an original thriller or suspense. And that can be hard. I mean, there are yeah. really good books that aren't original. Um, but I think one of the things you're constantly looking for is something unique that you haven't read before. Yeah. And that can be hard. You don't read a lot of women doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. And just for doing, just for doing wrong. Not yeah. like, not for a good reason. No, or... just because they're bad people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no redeeming quality. <laughs> uh, kind of refreshing. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Okay, my next book is one that is on my TBR. I have the book here uh, in my home, but I have not read it yet. It is called Late Bloomers. This is by Deepa Baradarajan. It came out this week, another paperback original. This just sounds right up my alley. And somebody, either an online customer, somebody on Instagram, somebody has read this and told me it was great. So that's part of the reason I have it in my TBR stack. It, it looks really good. It's about an Indian American family. And the book is set over three weeks in August. So I love a book with a succinct specific timeline, like a book that's set over a weekend or a book that's set over a wedding week or whatever. So this is set over three weeks in August. Suresh and Lata have been married for 36 years. They had an arranged marriage. And now that they have raised their children, they're getting divorced. And so they are already separated. They're in the middle of divorce, maybe even have finished divorce proceedings. And Suresh, the father, the the patriarch of the family, has started online dating. And that is going as well as you might imagine. An elderly, not elderly, but like an older gentleman, like trying to start over never having dated before. He had an arranged marriage. And now he is online dating and trying to figure out what swiping means. And then, (laughs) right? And then... um. Okay, so that's Suresh and Lada. They're the matriarch and patriarch of the family. Then daughter Priya is kind of following along with her dad and realizing that he is dating online and obviously she has opinions about that, but she also has embarked on her own kind of 
secret love affair that she's not telling her parents about. Her brother, Nikesh, has the perfect marriage, the perfect life, the perfect kid. But really, of course, it's not perfect at all. And so all of these family dramas and family secrets kind of come to a head during these three weeks when this family is together. And I... I like, as we all know, I like a dysfunctional family story, but I also like a dysfunctional family story with heart. And it sounds like these characters are not going to necessarily be at each other's throats. They just genuinely love each other, but they also have secrets that they've been holding back from one another. It sounds delightful. It sounds charming. Um, I like that it's a paperback original. Again, one of those books that you can throw in your beach bag on spring break or a summer vacation. Um, take on the plane. It is Late Bloomers by Deepa Veradarajan, and I'm looking forward to reading it. I've, I'm, I've got another one. You'll 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 hear the next book I'm reading right now, but but I'm looking forward to reading Late Bloomers next. Man, you had a couple paperback originals. Yes. Well, and the, part of the reason I put off reading Late Bloomers is because I picked it up and started to read it and really liked it, but I was considering it for a shelf subscription, and our shelf subscriptions are hardback. And so when yeah. I found out it was paperback, I had to put it down and focus on something else. So now that I have some time, I'll go back and read it. But um, a lot of, I don't know, even another book that I read and loved earlier this year became a paperback original, like was supposed to be a hardback, but became a paperback. I find it fascinating because then, I know I've already mentioned her, but then Emily Henry's new book, I forgot, is being released only in hardback. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's like hardback prices are going, well, prices in general are going yeah. up. And so it makes it more affordable to print it in paperback than it does yeah. in hardcover. But someone like yeah. Emily Henry, they're like, well, we know they're still going to buy it. So Right. I think that's the thing. She's kind of proven herself. I'm yeah. a little bit like, oh, the whole point of Emily Henry's books is they're fun. Her first book was literally called Beach Read. Like they're supposed yeah. to be fun that you can take in, on the beach. And hardbacks, I like a hardback book, but I think hardbacks are harder. <laughs> <laughs> to take on vacation. What? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe that's where they get their name. Beats me. Uh, but I, I don't know. I do yeah. think for some of maybe these debuts, maybe publishers are like, oh, it's lower risk for me to publish this in paperback. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, well, this one's coming out in hardcover. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is actually YA novel. I feel like I haven't read YA or talked about YA on the podcast in a while. Um just because it hasn't been, not that it hasn't been outstanding. It's just, there's been other great books. Yeah. But this one is, I love this one. If you like sibling dynamics, this is okay. for you. This is No Perfect Places by Steven Salvatore. And it's out at the very end of the month, May 30th. And this is about a set of twins, Ollie and Alex. And they grew up in like this small town with a big lake on it where like a lot of people would vacation to this like little resort that's there like ollie runs the like boating trips and alex cooks in the kitchen of this resort and they've just they've done this their whole lives but right before this book starts where we find ollie and alex is they're driving to visit their dad who is in prison for embezzlement mm. and he has kind of screwed over several of the townspeople. um they lost their house they lost a lot of their belongings and it's really divided Ollie and Alex because Ollie being the boy of the family has had a lot put onto his shoulders by his dad. Mm -hmm. And he's seen the kind of imperfect side to his father. Whereas Alex has just always remained and wanted to see only the good side of her dad mm -hmm. and doesn't want to acknowledge that he's in the wrong in any way. So Ollie and Alex go visit their dad 
And at the visitation, um, Ollie's like, hey, I need a minute with dad alone. Because before this, like a week before or something, this kid Tyler reached out to Ollie through a letter saying that they share the same dad. Um, oh, and he no. wanted to meet them. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. And so Ollie brings this up to his dad and his dad is basically like, that's not true. Don't tell your sister. And so Ollie is put in this really hard position because they're super close. He's super close with his twin. Who wouldn't mm-hmm. be? But now his dad has just told him that he's not allowed to tell his sister because obviously it makes his dad look bad. And so they go back home. Ollie keeps trying to start this conversation with Alex, but I think Alex knows that like it's going to paint her dad in a bad light. So she just refuses to have it. And then a couple weeks later, their dad dies of a heart attack in prison. And (laughs) yes. And then comes the real split because Ollie has to kind of step up. His mom's working like double shifts. He's kind of like running the house and the family at this point and then still communicating with his brother and trying to figure out a way to tell Alex. And Alex has just gone off the deep end, Mm. like drugs, alcohol, everything bad. Alex is just trying to cope in the only way she knows. And that's Mm -hmm. just to numb herself, which is why this book is not our YA subscription. And I am still currently reading for that. But then Tyler shows up at their summer camp and things go from there. (laughs) Okay. It was so good. Again, I just love a book that like deep dives into sibling relationships, especially when they're in like the center of turmoil, because I think that really brings out the best and worst in in people. Yep. And this one was just really well done. So that's No Perfect Places by Stephen Salvatore. Okay, that's another one. You're really selling me on a couple of these. I'm looking at these titles like, okay, that sounds like one I think I might try. (laughs) Okay, my last book also comes out at the very end of the month. It comes out on May 30th. This is called Big Gay Wedding by Byron Lane. (laughs) Great title. Great name. (laughs) Great great title. Just tell tell what it is right there on the cover. (laughs) Byron Lane, people might be familiar. He wrote a book, which I did not read, but I loved the title, and I remember us selling it at the store. It's called A Star is Bored. And he was, right? Isn't that a good title? That's a great title. He was the former assistant to Carrie Fisher. So he worked in Hollywood and worked in kind of celebrity culture. And now he's- Star Wars. Yes. Yes. Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. You did it. Um, So Big Gay Wedding is about a guy named Barnett. Barnett has a secret. No, it's not that he's gay. Everyone knows he's gay. But his mother, who lives in Louisiana, like deep Louisiana, knows that he's gay, but it's not something they like advertise or talk about. So his dad died a few years ago. His mom and dad had owned this farm with a lot of land, and now his mom owns it. And the book opens with his mom like taking care of the farm. And it's the kind of farm where like, put out to pasture animals, go to like retire, like injured animals or whatever. And so the book opens with her greeting like a school bus of kids who's come to the farm to like pet the animals, get to know the animals. And all she is thinking the whole time is that Barnett is about to come home and Barnett is going to finally tell her that he's ready to take over the farm. Like she's looking forward to her retirement. She can't wait to have her son home. Yes, he has this thing that's not really a secret, but they don't really talk about it. But she she loves her son. She's confused by his 
his identity, but she loves him. And she just desperately wants him to come home and take care of this farm. She's ready to retire. All the while, we as the reader know that Barnett is coming home, not necessarily to take care of the family farm. He's coming home to tell his mom that he is engaged and that he wants to get married on the family farm to his husband. And so it's this kind of small town in Louisiana with a lot of bias and prejudice. And I think I've read the first, oh, I don't know. I've read the first 50, 70 pages. It's very funny. I think what's going to happen is that because of the town's behavior and and perhaps really awful behavior, the mom is going to wind up stepping up and really showing her pride and her love of her son because I think we all know that like we're allowed to be critical of our own families, but the moment someone else is, like that's when we bow up. And so I think some of that is going to come into play here. The parts I read are very funny. It's very much claims to be exactly what it says on the cover. Like it's it's not meant to be some deeply tragic work of literary fiction. I think it is supposed to be very fun. Maybe if you liked the gunkle, you would like this. I kept thinking, weirdly, I think because of the Louisiana setting and because of the societies colliding, like the world's colliding, it reminds me of the movie, which I did not really enjoy, but the movie Sweet Home Alabama. So like this is Sweet Home Alabama, but make it gay is is what I just keep thinking <laughs> as I'm reading it. And so I I think I'm going to really love watching the worlds collide of this deep Louisiana-like farm family and then Barnett and his fiance and their really fabulous friends who come in from the big city. So Big Gay Wedding by Byron Lane comes out on May 30th. See, I kind of want to read that one now. It's that fun. fun. I, I can't wait to see how the, he wraps it up. Um, but so far, the book is very fun. That sounds great. Well, we both read this next one. Oh, yes. And so did Aaron. So this That's is right. an Annie Olivia Aaron crossover. Yep. Um, of which there aren't that many, but maybe no, more there than aren't. you think. But maybe yeah. not that many. It is weird. And Aaron will read, truly, Aaron reads almost anything. She reminds me of Esme. They read yeah. all over the place. I, like, I'll ask Aaron what she's reading, and I'm always like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like because she just reads so many different I feel like I'm always reading dysfunctional family lit. I just feel like I'm always reading oh yeah dysfunctional family lit or yeah. I don't know something tragic <laughs> yeah but but Aaron and Esme I feel like read all over the place and so I do think it's hard to pin down an Annie Olivia and Aaron yes uh, Venn diagram. especially because after I read this book I was like listen it's amazing yeah but, like I don't know you guys it's intense it's intense um, it's super intense. Also, I just took home an arc about this guy who gets swallowed by a whale. <laughs> okay. I okay, I think I requested that arc for you. It looks so good. So excited. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of this one. So I'm oh, sorry, yes. everyone. This is Drowning by TJ Newman. <laughs> Out May 30th. This is her second novel. You might have read Falling by TJ Newman. And this is already being picked up to be a movie. Oh, I, I cannot wait. I did not I, see that. so excited. She is awesome. She finally retired from being a flight attendant just to write books now. <laughs> so, for which we are all TJ. grateful. Yeah. Good for you. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. for real. She made it, everyone. She made it. Yeah. But this is about this flight that like takes off. I forget from where. Hawaii? I think that's right. Because. Yeah. Yes. That's right. 
They take off from Hawaii and then six minutes into the flight, they crash into the Pacific Ocean. Like when when this book opens, it's this dad and daughter duo and he's looking out in the window and he's like, is that smoke? Yeah. <laughs> yes. The book, that's kind of what I love about her a little bit. I yeah. feel like, um, have you seen those memes that are like, I just want a recipe. Don't tell me how you came to your farm and like learned to till the land. I just want a recipe. I have I not seen those, but yes. Okay. though It's a funny kind of internet thing. Okay. To me, sometimes suspense and thriller novels are the same way where we get all this background information. Now, sometimes I like that. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I want that. But sometimes I just want to dive into the action. And I yep. think what TJ Newman does is just gives us the action. And I yeah. appreciate it. Right off the bat. She's not playing yeah. around. And no. then she keeps you going somehow through this entire the like 300 page nev- novel. Yeah, there's never a break. You're yeah. you're breathless the whole time. Yes. But this is my favorite of any genre is like when you put people in a survivalist mode. Mm-hmm. Because again, you see the best and the worst in folks. And yeah. this novel, especially, you see the best and the worst in people. So they crash into the Pacific Ocean. The flight attendants do their job and they open those doors and they try to get as many people out as they can. And then they realize this is not a good situation. It is not safe on the water. They close Mm -hmm. the doors and 12 people slowly in this plane sink to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Um, You get this like family that you kind of focus on. The father, Will, and his daughter, Shannon, are on the plane And then the ex-wife, Chris, which you do get their backstory a little bit throughout the novel, is back at home. But she is this, like, engineer wizard who, Mm -hmm. like, just inserts herself into the rescue mission of this to get her daughter and her husband out of the plane at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. It was so good. There are probably several trigger warnings. (laughs) If you have claustrophobia, this Please book don't is read this. <laughs> um, there is a child death in this. Yep. Uh, trigger warning on that. I did maybe forget to tell Erin that, although I could have sworn that I did. And then she came in and was like, no one wanted to warn me. <laughs> Sorry. Whoops. It's just yeah. there's, okay, to be fair, so much happens in this book. Yeah. That this you one just. One of the last things on your mind. Yes, like you just don't really you're you really honestly what I like about TJ Newman is because of the pace at which she tells these stories you kind of are also breathless and like surviving along with the characters. Like I have a very distinct memory I'm pointing to my chair over here. I read that <laughs> book in one sitting in this chair yeah. because I just could not like I was like I must find out what happens. Like yeah. I have to know what happens to these people. And so you just kind of forget some of the trauma in other parts of the book cuz you're too busy focusing on surviving. <laughs> it's very true. I know exactly where I was as well while reading this yes. book because it's yeah. a one sit read. It's like if you did Silent Patient and you were absorbed mm-hmm. in that book. This is that scene kind of pace and yeah. and plot twisting grip. Now, a lot of people didn't read Falling because they were worried about then being scared of plane crashes. Yeah. What I say to that is <laughs> that water cuz I read Falling on a plane ride. I remember that. What are the odds of you <laughs> reading this book and then this happening? I feel That's like right. we've reduced them at this point. Olivia almost read it as a protective <laughs> measure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So everyone take a page from my book. (laughs) 
and read this on a plane. Really make it more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Read this while crossing the ocean on a plane. Okay, two things. One is I made the observation on Instagram maybe that I think TJ Newman and because drowning involves the ocean and the ocean feels like space to me in how uninhabited yes. and unknowable it is. It this book also reminded me a little bit of Andy Weir. Yeah. Like I think if readers liked Andy Weir, you might, now obviously this doesn't have to do with space, but to me the underwater element makes mm-hmm. it feel otherworldly. That's well, and it's like, whereas Andy Weir is to like going into maybe the mathematics of survival, TJ yes. is into the practicalities. Of yes. It. Like, how um, are we going to do this? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it, she clearly did a lot of research into what we have for like deep diving yeah. as well, which was also really fascinating because I had no idea of some of this it stuff. Was, Obviously, I'm not in the military, but like... <laughs> it was fascinating. Like, you yeah. could tell she had researched. Yes. And no part of this was like sluggish. Like, even no. going to the backstory of like that family where like a part of me was like, starting that chapter, I was like, I don't need this. Just mm-hmm. put me back in that plane with them. Let me figure mm-hmm. this out. And then I was reading and I was like, no, you know, maybe you do need this. Yeah, this But it's helpful. short chapters. So you just... You fly through it. Mm -hmm. And then you also, like, I mean, it focuses on that main family, but there's so many other great characters stuck in that plane with them. Yeah. It's just so good. My second observation is a hypothesis I will now present to you, which is Jordan and I went to the movies on Sunday and the sound wasn't working and somebody got up and went to tell the people, like, hey, the sound isn't working. And I whispered to Jordan and I said, it's always fascinating in a movie theater to me who, like if you look around the room, you can kind of predict who will be the person who will go. Like, I know I won't ever have to do that because somebody else in the movie theater is going to do that. And I whispered to Jordan that I think there's a correlation between the person who will get up and go make sure the sound is turned on and a person on a plane who will save your life. And I'm sorry to say that that person is not me. But I think it's the same. I think it's a little bit of the same personality type. Sometimes when I get on a plane, I look around and I'm like, that finance bro might save my life. (laughs) Okay. So glad you brought this up. I (laughs) listened to a whole podcast about the instructional. um, The manual? Yes. Of how to like exit the plane because there's a whole science behind that. If you'll Mm -hmm. notice on those sheets, there's no words because they know you're not reading. They know you're just looking. Yes. And so that part was fascinating. But then they also said that like the first minute of the plane crash is like, that is who will survive, who will do something Mm -hmm. in that first minute, because Mm -hmm. that's all it takes. And so ever since listening to that podcast, I do like to think that I could be that person because I now get onto planes and I'm just like, listen, it is flight or fight. Yes. Or freeze. And a lot of people freeze and that's the danger. And so you just have to go and you just yeah. have to like push. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to get out of that plane in that first minute. Yeah. And after listening to that podcast, I'm like, I think I now know that I have to do it. So I will do yeah. it. I think I, I think I, now stuck in the bottom of the ocean. I don't know the science behind what we should or should not do in this moment. Uh, well, while I was reading, right. I kept thinking, would I be a person who insists on getting out? Because I do think yeah. about myself and I think I might have thought 
if I can get out, my chance of surviving is higher because that's the, my, my rational brain, I think would think that way would think, no, I got to do whatever I need to do to get out of this plane. That's the key to survival. Well, it sounds logical in the moment. And then she talks about why it wasn't. And I'm just like, oh yeah, of course. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But I would not have known that in the moment. My logic would have failed me. And that's part of the reason I love books like this is because it makes you think, wait, what would I do? Yeah. It's why I loved cold people. I was just like, how would Mm. I survive in the Antarctic? Would I even be able, I, would I survive in the Antarctic? Like, what would you do? Would you be the hero or would you not? Well, because that's the other thing. I think that is my, I think there is a chance I would survive. I think there is a very small chance I would be the hero because it feels like the hero has to be the kind of person who will leave and go get the sound turned on in a movie theater. And I am not that person. Like I, I like to fly under the radar. I don't like to, I don't like to be in charge. I know that is hard. (laughs) You're literally our boss. (laughs) I know that that doesn't make sense. But like, I like to be in charge when I know I'm capable. Right. I don't want to be in charge when I don't know I'm capable. Well, and I would like to point out the very two distinct, like that's very two distinct happenings here. Like a plane is life or death. A a movie theater with sound (laughs) is not life or death. So like being that person who gets up to like say, hey, the sound isn't on is might not be the same person. They might be that dumb guy who tried to barrel through the plane. Well, that is true. There is a correlation there as well. (laughs) Yeah. I think. But I do think that take charge personality might save your life. Yeah. If <laughs> if you're rational and logical about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. If you're not, yes. Agreed. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, we could do a whole podcast about surviving, I'm sure. <laughs> Survivalist books. Bring me on. <laughs> yeah. We'll do a whole episode. Uh, okay. Those are the May new releases that we are looking forward to. Keep in mind that you can go online and search episode 423 to find all of these titles. You can use new release, please. That's the discount code. You can use that at checkout for 10% off your order of today's titles. This week, I'm reading Pieces of Blue by Holly Goldberg Sloan. Olivia, what are you reading? I am reading The Labors of Hercules Beale by Gary D. Schmidt. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cami Tidwell, Chantal C., Kate O'Connell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. 
Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week.